Join us for YA Movement, our young adult conference happening on March the 11th through to March the 12th, hosted by Dave and Abzanibloch and our special guest, Robert Madhu. We're super excited about everything that God's doing in our young adults and we'd love you to join us for an amazing couple of days together. So why not head straight to the website lifechurchhome.com forward slash movement to get yourself booked in. Hey, welcome. I'm so glad that you're here, that we have this time together, and I know God is going to do incredible things. Love Does is the title of this series. We're going to get it started today, and I know that it's going to help you receive God's love for you and give you wisdom and how to release that love to other people. So in other words, the love of God, it says in another part of the New Testament, it says the love of God is restrained. You know, the love of God is restrained in us until we release it to other people. The love of God is restrained in us until we plug into that power and we start to let go of that love of God. And I tell you what, I'm having so much fun releasing the love of God to other people. Do you have fun doing that? I mean, I just have fun doing that. I mean, it doesn't matter if they know Jesus or not. I just release the love of God. I couldn't wait to wake up today to get out and shovel my neighbor's driveway. Because that's a practical way that I can do my love does and I can release the love of God. And soon it, it leads to a conversation with somebody else. And yet, guess who is the beneficiary of that conversation? Me. Because there's something about the release of the love of God that affects you and helps you. It helps you as a Christian understand this is how you make a difference. And I've been in church for a while and I see too many spiritually fat Christians. Spiritually, well-fed, well-fed, but they're not doing much for the Lord. There's an old Keith Green song that I love, going way back, and it talks about the church being asleep in the light. And I've learned that, I've learned that if, if I want to make a difference in my life, I have to make a decision that I am going to release the love of God despite what it costs me. And every time I do that, I'm amazed about what happens next. Have you made a decision to release what's already inside of you? See, it's a Christian's life is often like this. It's like concentrated orange juice. The more you squeeze it, the more that comes out. It can be negativity or it can be pressure or it can be anger. But when you squeeze somebody who's truly receiving from the love of God, guess what comes out? Peace, patience, fruitfulness, joy. And I'm like, I'm on a mission. Let's get that kind of releasing into our environment so we understand that hurt people hurt people that's the truth and if you've been hurt you know you can all you can be saved but but when you get squeezed what comes out is a negative comment or what comes out is sarcasm or what comes out is something something that holds other people down but when you release God's love you heal people people become whole and then it changes the whole dynamic and I'm asking you are you gonna put up in 2016 with Things around you that you know are unhealthy. Things around you that you know are not where they should be in God. Are you accepting what God is asking you to change? And I've made this decision. I am changing. I am going to grow. And I want to challenge you to, to make that decision to release in practical ways God's love and God's power and let that situation go. Now, I'm going to take you now to Acts 
chapter 9, because I'm going to pick up this writer that I've just read about in Ephesians chapter 3. I want to take you to Paul's life. Paul the Apostle, here he is in Acts chapter 9, verse 1, and this is his story. This is where he starts. This is the same person who talked about receiving God's love. And this is where he starts in Acts 9. Meanwhile, Saul was breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. Man, that does not sound like somebody who's received the love of God. And I find it phenomenal that the person that God transformed by his grace that wrote Ephesians chapter 3. Here we pick up where he enters into the scene in Acts chapter 9. And he was the biggest known terrorist of his day. Persecutor of Christians. Killer of Christians. I mean, this guy, he was scary. He was a piece of work. He had hit squads that would go into situations, find Christians, and destroy their lives. I mean, this is just crazy stuff. Absolutely crazy. And you know, one of the best ways to shake up a Christian culture is persecution. One of the greatest ways to wake up the sleeping giant called the local church is to go through difficult times. But, but you know, we want to wake up not in a time of difficulty, but in a time of grace. And here in Acts chapter 9, this mighty man of God who had yet to know Jesus, he, he rises up. And he's like killing people and he's murdering. And as he's going on this road, Jesus appears to him and says, why are you persecuting me? And this, this incredible thing happens where he falls down and he's like, oh my gosh, why are you persecuting me? And, and, and Saul's like, I made a huge mistake. I made a huge mistake. And he goes to this location in Damascus for three days. And then pick up the story in Acts chapter 9, Acts chapter 9 verse 17. This is what happens. This man called Ananias was appointed by God to release God's love to a murderer, to a convict. Now, Ananias didn't know that this, this, this man, Saul, had had this incredible experience. He was just told by God, go find this person and share the love of God with him. And he struggled. And you can read in Acts, he struggled. He had this conversation. He's like, I'm not going to release God's love to this guy. He's a murderer. He's a convict. He's a killer, and his life was at risk. He's like, if I go, I'm going to be killed like other people I know have been martyred and killed. And yet, he decides, I'm going to go anyway. And the way he greets Saul, check this out, when he visits him, he places his hand on Saul, and he says, Brother Saul. What? I mean, he had been so transformed, Ananias, by the love of God, that when he goes, he says, Brother Saul, puts his hand on him and receives the person who was the murderer, not knowing whether his life would be changed because, because really he was at risk because he was putting his hand on this person. And I want to tell you, we have to risk it, church. We, we have to risk it. We, we, have to, we have to change how we communicate God's love in 2016. We've got to take it to a level that will be uncomfortable. It'll be uncomfortable for all of us, but love doesn't wait for things to be easy. Love just dives in, and here's this Ananias. And by the way, this is the only time he appears in the New Testament. Here's this guy. He's like, just comes on the scene. It's like this secret Christian. Comes on the scene, interacts with Paul, Saul, helps him understand God's grace, spends a bit of time with him. That's the last time we see Ananias in the Bible. But God used him to release his love 
to someone who would write just over one half of the New Testament. And then Paul's changed from being a murderer to one of the greatest missionaries. Why? Because one person received God's love and it changed everything. Totally changed everything. One person who understood how to love. Look, I know what this is like. You're like, well, Steve, if you knew what my situation was like, if you knew what my marriage was like, if you knew what my, my, my boss was like, you wouldn't be telling me this. And that's why Jesus said, no, love your enemies. That was the context. And here's Ananias. He'd been taught that, love your enemy. And so here's Saul, who was an enemy. And what does he do? Brother Saul. And what happens next is God fills Brother Saul with the Holy Spirit. But before he was filled with the Holy Spirit, he had an interaction with somebody who knew God. He placed his hand on him, and then everything changed. Listen, church, are you having opportunities around you where you can bring God's love, get your hands on somebody, pray with somebody? Are you having those encounters? Because when you're so receiving, you can't not have those encounters. When you're so receiving God's love, release is just a byproduct of what you've already received. And this release factor is getting stronger in our church. And I want to let you know that in 2016, you could be used by God in ways that are greater than you could ever imagine. You could be used at your work and in your family life or at school, college, or university. You could be used however you can dream or imagine. Because what happens with Paul, he writes Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, which says, Now to him who can give immeasurably more than I can even dare or imagine. How big is your imagination for 2016? We have to change our perspective. We have to get a, a mentality where we're dreaming big, thinking big, and imagining big. But that started with Paul when a guy came and found him when he was a murderer, when he didn't deserve God's grace, and yet God gave it to him through this brother called Ananias. And you know what Ananias' name means? Ananias' name means favor of the Lord. Wow. God didn't just send anybody to go meet with Saul. God sent him favor. Nudge the person next to you and say, God is sending you favor. <laughs> sending you favor. And you're like, oh my gosh, when you get favor sent in your direction, you better receive it. Yeah. And not be apathetic about it and say, I want more of that favor. That's not greedy. That's receiving. That's not being, oh, you know, I'm just, I'm just feel bad about this because I'm taking it. No, I want as much of the favor of God on our church as we can have. I want as much of God's favor in my community as we can have. Don't you want that church? You know, I have two children and every day I see my children early in the morning, they, they wake up and I see them. I want favor on their lives. I want it because why my father's heart is like, man, I want to see them blessed. I want to see them prospering. I want to see them loved. I want to see them understand that. And so I communicate that, and what I release is words of love. And I've realized this practically every day I tell my kids, I love you. Every single day. And yet I know there was a generation that went before me, they didn't talk like that. Men didn't talk like that. Men didn't communicate. That's not being wet. That's not being emotionally weak. 
No, what is that doing? That's producing a solid foundation for my children to grow in. When they don't doubt God's love, they don't doubt a father's love. And so they grow up like they know that, that they know that they know that the first time, you know, they meet somebody that says, oh, you're gorgeous, you know, and you're really sexy. And they have this language. It's like there's a foundation that says, well, my father loves me. And I see that fake love for what it is. I see that fake love because it's not the real thing because they're used to this love that is agape love that sweeps over their life. And there's so many people who, who look at church and they look at Jesus and they look at Christianity as fake love. And they think that when hard times kick in, Christians just go out the back door. And you know what? I don't know what your situation's like, but when tough times start, hey, start empowering that inner man. That inner woman to stay strong and don't just, don't just back down. No, step up. Don't walk away from that challenge. Look at that challenge and say, I'm so glad you're in my life. Why? Because that's how God upgrades you. An upgrade happens through difficulty. Happens through struggle sometimes. Happens through challenge. That's what an upgrade is. So that you can go further and do more. And I know that even though now at the outset of this year, it's like comfortable in here and people are good. But, you know, it, this is not what our world is like. Our world is a mess. It's, uh, uh, it's, just, a, it's just a mess. Some of your extended families, some of my extended families, they're, they're a mess. They're a mess. They're full of all kinds of bitterness and pride and they're full of all this rubbish. And so when they're around you, do you influence them? Or do they influence you? It gets that simple. When people around you, when they, when they leave you, are they thirstier after they leave you for God? Or are you just like, oh, this is just bad. No, I'm like, we got to change this situation. we got to get some boldness and some confidence that God's not leaving us. He's not forsaking us. No, we are God's change agents on the earth. And that's our mentality. I'm not going to let people influence me. In a bad way? You've got to be joking. I'm the guy who goes to the tip and changes what happens at the tip. I'm like, they're like, well, we close at five to five. I'm not when I'm here. You stay open an extra five minutes when I'm here. Oh, by the way, thank you so much. I'm the guy who goes to my neighbors and goes, come on, let's grit this road. Come on, let's get the gritters out. Come on, let's get the shovels out. Come on, we can do this neighborhood. Let's not any car crash. Why? Because I'm being a practical expression change agent for my world. Wherever that hits my world, I'm, I'm already there, church. I'm in the zone. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, we can do this. And then what happens is when you make that kind of decision, God sends you favor and everything starts to grow and change in your life. Who wants that kind of favor in their life? Man, you ain't going to get it. I said, who wants that kind of favor? Who wants that kind of favor? I'm like, oh, well, this isn't just, I'm, I'm like, this is based on Ephesians chapter 3. If you want to be rooted and established in love, you're going to have to get very intentional about how you receive it. And you're going to have to reject all those other lies. You know, last night, my wife Charlotte spoke at Dare to Be event in Seattle, Washington, which is kind of in my, in my neck of the woods where I was born and raised. Thousands of women came out, hundreds of salvation just last night alone in that one location in Seattle, Washington. But in the first place, they were in Boise, Idaho on Thursday night. There was one 
lady that they met. And this one lady had a husband who was a pastor. And this husband who was a pastor went to Iran to bring the gospel and to plant churches. He's called Saeed. Three and a half years ago, Saeed got thrown in a maximum security detention center in Iran. And it's been virtually unheard of. For three and a half years, his wife and children have prayed, God strengthen us so that we can persevere through this battle. This weekend, Saeed was released after three and a half years of being in this prison. He was one of the four or five Americans that was just released. But that whole period, imagine the kind of strength that you need to persevere and stay in a place of believing God in that kind of situation. You may not have a spouse in prison, but you may have some difficulties financially or some challenges relationally. Don't buy into the challenge. Learn how to strengthen your inner person. Wake up and start speaking faith. Start living in faith. Start changing your situation. And then you realize, why can't people around me thrive? I have the favor of God on my life. And you start to get this mentality and everything starts to change. Many of us love our cell phones. Anybody love their cell phones? Anybody love their phone? Well, I had this image as we were, as I was praying and thinking about the church, is that some of you are like a cell phone that's running out of battery. And, you, and your cell phone is coming to the end of its life, and you're like, your cell phone is, is, is weak, and it's, and it's on 10%, it's on 2%. It's on 1%. 1% of a cell phone lasts longer than the other 99% put together. Have you ever noticed that? It just lasts and lasts and lasts. It just keeps on going. It just keeps on going. And then finally, it just does. Where are you at? Because if you're not at 100%, there's room to receive more. There's room to recharge. There's room to plug in and say, I just don't want to live my life at 80%, 70%. No, I want to plug in so much so that we're like, yeah, 100%. So then when we release what God's love is, then we can change our situations. So church, I'm going to ask you, get into Ephesians chapter 3. Get into this concept. Start thinking about how you can receive, how you can release God's love this next week. Plug into life groups. It's going to be a great week at life groups this next week ahead. And I'm telling you, next week on this Love Does series is going to be amazing. I'm going to start the 16 attributes of God's love. 16, because 2016 is our year of love. 16 attributes of God's love. But we're going slow because we want to make sure that everybody is on the same page together as a church. That we're all getting this. And this week, if you hear somebody around you at your workplace or whatever, and they're negative and they're depressed, throw the love of God around them. Like Ananias did to Saul. Look at that person who's in their depression and in their misery and go, no, not in my presence. We're going to change this conversation. You might have to give them a coffee. You might have to do some kind of practical act of kindness. But I'll tell you what comes next. What comes next is this incredible fun and this life factor. Imagine if we all go from this place, all the different people that are here, all the people that are listening to this podcast or to this message, we go from this place and we become communicators, transformers of God's love and grace. That's our hope and that's our passion. Amen, church? Amen. Hey, that's all we have time for today. And as we finish this love does concept and thought, we really hope it's helped you to understand how much God loves you and the people that you do life with. 
And we pray that throughout 2016, you continue to grow in that understanding of what love can do to make a difference in people's lives. Life Church College is a one-year church-based Bible training program where students receive world-class teaching, practical church building skills, leadership training and personal development. This incredible course has been running for 15 years and has seen over 700 students graduate for all over the world. It allowed me to explore who I am and who God is and also allowed me to develop my skill set and realise that I can do so much more and I have such a bigger purpose than what I imagined at the beginning of the year. If you're looking to grow and develop in the things of God, then this is the course for you. For more information, visit lifechurchcollege.com And now I know I can build something. I can change this generation. I'm not just one more. I'm not just part of the crowd. I'm, I'm part of God's plans. For more information, visit lifechurchcollege.com.